This is exactly right. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgareth. Hello, Karen. Hello, happy February, Chris. Oh, it is February, isn't it? It's a brand new month. Well, and a month where someone has a birthday just around the corner. <gasps> Whose birthday is it? Jesus. Why, it's me! Oh, it's you? Yes, yes. What day is your birthday? My day of birth is the 5th. Feb 5? Feb 5. Feb 5 Freddy. That's what they used to call me in my rap days. <laughs> uh, I better put that right into my calendar. I, I feel ashamed it wasn't in there before. Oh, I Karen, I don't know your birthday. I am very bad at that. My sister makes me a calendar. Yep. Specifically with all the fem, and I know that's why I get it every year because I've I've forgotten so many birthdays and been a bad uncle on birthdays so many times. I during Facebook era, I started to tell myself I don't care about birthdays just as to have a stance, right? So that I didn't have to be so involved. the The way people have gone birthday crazy. Yep. Since the advent, I've I would say Facebook and posting, where it's yeah. like now it's my birthday week, now it's my birthday month. I yeah. just don't relate. Yeah, I think people's thirst for hearing happy birthday it was fueled. The thirst was fueled, by the way. <laughs> That's what I just said by getting four to five hundred people saying it and putting a little glittery, you know, <gasps> the confetti. Animated gift thing. Yeah, it's yeah. people are like, well, that. And it does make you feel good. And I'm, I really have, I honestly don't care about birthdays. I've never really wanted to have parties. But on those days where it was the middle of the winter and I didn't hear anything from my family Ugh. and it was my birthday, it, I, of course, felt bad. And I just yeah. pretended I wasn't. I mean, what choice do we have when we feel bad but to pretend or to the 90s version of it is don't just pretend you don't feel bad. Pretend you don't care at all about the general topic. Yeah. That was my solution. Birthdays don't matter to me. What are you talking about? Of course they do. But that was, it was like a great stance where it's like, well, then I don't have to worry about your birthday and then you don't have to worry about my birthday. Right. My personality is I don't care about birthdays. Yeah. But I'm afraid that I sort of do. 
I clearly do. Yes. I think I got that from my mom. My mom used to not acknowledge her own birthday because she didn't want anyone to know how old she was. Yeah. And never uh, would ever. I didn't know how old she was my whole childhood. (laughs) Right. That was a very, it was a boomer lady thing to be mysterious. And they hadn't had all the activism behind who they were and what they got to be. They got none of that. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, she she thought every year she was less of a person. That's terrible. Oh it's, man, it's horrible. Yeah, it, it, we just we're just here to cheer you up, people. Guys, remember <laughs> when it's like my my mom, who is from I think basically the same generation, probably within five years of your mom or so. She was obsessed with dressing up to go on an airplane. Like there was right. shit where I was like, ma'am, that is straight up from dinosaur times. Yes. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm yeah. absolutely wearing sweatpants. I will be comfortable on Southwest. I won't wear a pillbox hat. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that is. There's an older woman that every day buys her one day of groceries at Lazen's down the street from my house. And I see her all the time and she dresses up. She's probably in her late 70s, maybe 80, but mm-hmm. she dresses to the nines with like glitter. Everything she has has either gold, like I guess lame, I don't know, woven into a sweater or what she's got sparkles everywhere. She wears jewelry. Her hair is perfectly beehived up. She is straight out of a far side cartoon. Yes. And she is, she talks to everyone. And at first I was like, oh brother, don't get cornered by that lady. And I, and cause she's like, oh, well, don't you just look darling today? And she wants to talk to everyone. But that recently what I realized, like the other day, she was in the parking lot putting her groceries in. And this guy who I've seen go into the store, he's just trying to be scary. He's, he has an angry look on his face, all face tattoos. And he's gone in there with a backpack and the security guard is just kind of like, is it worth it to follow this guy around? He's really intimidating. And then he buys just a juice or something. And everyone knows, it's this weird thing. Everyone knows he puts stuff in his backpack, but everyone's scared of him. The other day she was getting in her car. He went straight towards her. I happened to be walking in the parking lot and I don't know what I think I'm going to do, but I stopped when he came up to her. (laughs) And she immediately goes... Your face is just so beautiful. Look at all that artwork. It is what a way to express yourself. I wish I could do that, but I have all these wrinkles. And he just started smiling. Oh. And then I was just standing there and she was like, are you guys friends? I'm like, (laughs) uh, I go, not, not yet. And then he just stood there a while and she asked him some questions and he was really sweet to her. I don't think any old lady that like a grandma type figure had ever been this sweet to this guy. I bet no one's been sweet to that guy. That's yeah. It And it was her first instinct. She was not scared and like, Oh, I know what I'll do here. That's just how this lady is. And she is that way with everyone. I love her. She's a Zen master. She's a Zen master. master. Because that is like, she's interacting with her world the way she wants the world to be. She's not reacting like, oh, I am in I am in danger, I am in fear. She's like, here's how I see you and I see you beautifully, yeah. which is the ultimate like diffuser of anything. And she was not scared at all. She's a badass. 
Why would she be scared? I'm sure she's fucking murdered a husband and buried him under the porch. That's what I keep thinking. <laughs> the the trail of blood behind this delightful woman she is has is handled business. CIA, secret ops. They have put her in places we don't even know on a map. Green berets. She has slit so many throats. She I just really like her is what I'm saying. And went the other the day, just I see her all the time. I see her as much as I used to see Henry Rollins at the uh, Santa Monica Trader Joe's daily. Two great stars here in Los Angeles, Henry Rollins and this lady. I love this lady. She, But she just asked me to, she's like, I can never open these plastic bags. I can never find the the opening. And I'm like, well, luckily for you, I have these clammy fingers. And I just kind of <laughs> twisted it until it, she's like, I've never seen that trick. Aren't you just delightful? Oh. And I was in a good mood all day. Yes. Just, you got a grandma treatment. Like, yeah. Isn't that actually what the world needs right now is when you go out into what you believe to be a hostile world? Like, what did I just put on her that she killed her husband? That never fucking happened. She goes into the world and she's like, what a wonderful place to be. What an exciting, what do you have to offer? Like, I'm here to appreciate it. Like a grandma going to watch you tap dance in second grade. Yes, Everything you do is great. And she's going to tell you about it. Yep, I want her at my shows. I I got to introduce myself to her and just con- just say, "Hey, I notice how you are with everyone." Yeah. And I I know you're not a murderer. I'll say that to her. Don't don't bring that up. That No, I, sh- I just <laughs> I know why you said that and why I immediately jumped on board because I think if someone is that sweet and someone is that uh, has such a winning attitude on a daily basis, you have to assume there's a dark side or that she's sad. That's what I put on people that Or that she just has seen some shit. Like, whether it's dark or whatever, she has lived a full, serious life that has taught her what's important. Yeah. And when you get lessons like that, they're hard. And they usually, it's through loss. It's through relationships ending in some way that you can't control. Or the visitation of three Christmas ghosts. It's (laughs) She had some chains shaken at her, and she learned her fucking lesson. And she was a nicer accountant because of it. I really, yeah. There's something happened to where she's like, I'm going to be great every day. I, I, there aren't a lot of people like that. And I don't see a lot in my neighborhood. It's like a hip young person. Everyone's in a band. Uh, you know, I don't know where she lives or if she's lived in my neighborhood her whole life, but she is just one of the most impressive people. I want to be more like her. And I think I I told you this story about uh, when I lived in New York and I go down to the bodega and I really loved the idea that there was a bodega like literally every 15 feet in the neighborhood I lived in. Like I lived in the middle of a block and there was a bodega on each end. And it's like, okay, so just whenever I want gummy bears and cigarettes and, you know, whatever. Like, anything. A Perrier. Yeah. Uh, Architectural Digest magazine. I mean, like, just like anything you could want, it's right there. The store is overfilled with wonderful items. And so I, one weekend morning, I walked down to a different bodega because they had breakfast sandwiches. And it was kind of early in the morning, and I walked in, and there was an old, old lady in there. And I immediately was like, this lady is like, she's probably in her early 90s and she lives in Manhattan. Like, we're in, uh, we were in Hell's Kitchen. And I'm like, where does she live? Why is she here by herself? Why is no yeah. one with her? Yep. Why didn't anybody? And I'm going through this abs- immediate panic. 
and I'm walking, like I go to get juice or whatever stupid thing and go get in line. And I'm just like telling this myself this story about this lady's basically living in an apartment by herself, talking to the wall. And I was right. getting so upset and so whatever. And the lady turns around and looks at me and goes, honey, are you okay? <laughs> oh, like, isn't that great? Because like, she was fully talking to a guy that worked there. Clearly, yeah. she probably lives in an apartment above it and like knows everyone in this neighborhood and is absolutely fine and in large and in charge. And it's like, oh yeah, all these stories about like, you know, old people not being okay in the city. I don't think that's the case. I think right. people, old people that like grew up in Los Angeles proper, they're not scared to go to fucking Lassen's. Yeah. They've seen real shit happen. Oh, that's the other thing about this lady. She can drop an F-bomb in conversation. Oh, yes. She just says fuck every other word. <laughs> Was the woman you saw in Manhattan, did she have a long black flowing sweater <laughs> with gold woven into it? Bedazzled Oh, my uh, God. Are you this lady's bi-coastal and she's going like spreading the magic in several cities, you're saying? Yeah, she needs to take this shit <sighs> to the middle of the country. I think God. they need this in yeah. Missouri. They need some like super positive, judgment-free grandmas. Just like, is that your AR-15? Oh my, wow, brave of you to bring it into this subway. You keep it so clean. You must clean it day and night. You're a proud little boy, aren't you? You're a proud boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just starts crying. <laughs> I never had you in my life. He cries, his tears dissolve the gunmetal, and everything <laughs> is fine. Everything is cured because of her. <laughs> Does Lassen's have a bulk section like you could go and get uh, Australian licorice nibs? Yes, this one does. But there's not a, t it's mostly like your granolas and salt free almonds and things like that. Oh, None of it, it is like, hey, you want some gummy worms, but a pound of them? <laughs> like, there's no fun bulk. Oh. It's serious bulk for, you know, for serious people. For having regularity. Oh. Yeah. Well, then it it's makes their, sense. It's that called their it's regularity. Called <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Please repeat. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I just said then it makes sense they call it bulk. But yes, it wasn't really it wasn't you. great. It wasn't it was worth it. terrific. Repeating. Are you kidding? <laughs> Everyone knows what you mean. You immediately see a pair of trow trousers filling up and someone going upsy daisy. <laughs> Too much oat. Yeah, flax. Uh-oh. Chris, here's the thing we didn't get to visit on for very long. Our last episode was with Maggie Ferris. So delightful. You knew her. I had never met her. Yeah. What she a is great the best. that thing went by so quickly. I was so excited. Yes. How fun it was to talk I, to her. I was excited to I felt like a matchmaker. <laughs> I we just were knew definitely a match. Yeah. But also I am what I could listen to her talk about driving that snowplow perhaps for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's what I'm always searching for is our comedian friends to have be that deep in another interest that we've never talked about. And that was a gold mine. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a career, yeah. but it's also like, she must have made the decision. Like, this is going to be what I do. Cause then she had to get her special license. Anyway, yeah. my point is in the pre of that episode, you started talking about going to singing lessons. And I just want to circle back on that because after we were done, I was like, man, Chris actually fucking did the thing he was planning to do. And like, you did a thing that's actually really scary like you wanted to do it and then you just did it. 
How would, would you like to explain to the audience how you actually executed the plan that you had? Well, thank you. I, uh, and that's what I'm doing on my birthday. I'm singing with my band Curb Dogs again. Nice. In a bar called the Chair Nine Bar, <laughs> which means it's on the mountain. And I, that's why I wanted to brush up because there's a couple songs I didn't, uh, I have trouble with. But yeah, I just was doing a show in Portland and my friend from college asked me, hey, do you want to sing uh, songs from old skate videos with us at this fundraiser yep. in Washington? And I immediately said yes. And then immediately was like, what have I gotten myself into? All I've done is karaoke. And all that's been is Billy Idol and Elvis Costello. Like, what am I, what am I doing to myself? And so out of fear, I just didn't want to back out. And then when we did it, I realized how much fun it was to be on stage and be physical and walk around and yell and have my arms in the air. You know me as a comic. I just stand there with my hand on the mic stand. I never move my body. Yeah. I thought that's just how I am on stage. And so it was like, I was being someone else and I loved it. I loved it a lot, but I'm realistic. And when my voice is cracking on a song, I've, I'm horrified by it. And uh, I wanted this guy to show me. And I think he did show me a lot about breath control and, and singing from the right place. But I went to his bands. They're playing at the Whiskey. I, I was making fun of one of the songs and I'm like, this sounds like a band that would play at the Whiskey A Go-Go in the 90s. And then at the end of our meeting, I was like, are you in a band? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're playing at the Whiskey on the 9th. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, I, it was an example. Oh, but Oh, you said it to him? Yes. And his, <laughs> I know. Yeah, the best thing. That's your psychic abilities coming out in the perfectly wrong way. I know they're called Hot Crazy. And I remember that band. Yeah. That (laughs) band, The Darkness. Yeah. uh, That came out with that operatic thing. He he sings like that or or like Freddie Mercury. And they are like a high octane, very gay metal band. And it is the best thing. I'm very excited to go. I'm going on the ninth. I just really like this guy and uh, his voice was amazing. But when he was teaching me and he learned all the songs on piano, which was very impressive, I was like, just the fact that he learned them on piano, I'm like, well, this guy's not a rocker in any way. Don't, Don't let the long hair fool you. And he is all the way balls to the walls metal. And it is amazing. (laughs) That's the kind of exciting thing about musicians is they can kind of be all things. And they, it's like they're about the music man. And that is what I love about them. It's kind of like it, the dedication is to the craft in general, whatever version of that. Yeah. And I think he's just playing a role in this band. I think down when it comes down to it, he is a classically trained musician and could be a Broadway-type singer if he wanted to, and probably has. Maybe that's what he's doing next week. I don't know. I'm just seeing this one gig of his. But uh, <laughs> he knew how to... He was very good at illustrating how to position my mouth and make room in my jaw, what to do with my tongue, uh, how to loosen up my neck. I was like holding my neck so tight that there's veins and yeah. and f- tightening my shoulders. I should be doing the opposite. And and he just had me wiggling around loosely while singing and it helped so much. Just just one hour long session with him. Yep. Um, yeah, 
His name is Carl, and he's terrific. Well, Carl, thank you for helping Chris. So wait, then you're going to do another... Uh, is that the thing you're you're saying that's I a, yes the ninth chair? I'm what I'm realizing now is I probably did not even get close to answering your question. Not but even I am remotely. Not even near it. I'm not even near. I am doing it again. My point is, it is. It looks like it's going to be a regular thing, so long as there's still a skateboard adjacent event where people will recognize these songs. Because if we were just at somewhere like the whiskey. It would be a bunch of covers of bands a lot of people haven't heard of. That, <laughs> yep. But w- in you. front of the right crowd, which is 40-something skateboarders, <laughs> and there's a lot of them out there. Hey. It is an entire soundtrack of a childhood. Like yeah. the, the songs we're doing are from the beginning of, of skateboard videos coming into your homes in, in like the mid-80s up until, I'd say, skateboard videos songs from like early night like 92 or 3 and we we picked the best ones but that was such an important time it was that was the innovation of the sport that those 85 to 95 is where skateboarding found itself now it's just going, I agree I agree yeah it's it's just they're jumping off bigger things and it's getting more death defying but all the tricks the shape of the skateboard every year in that decade you saw it advance to what it is Today, I, a documentary about that would be interesting to me and these these people that I want in the audience. Well, and a bunch of girls who weren't allowed to actually participate, but were watching with a very close eye from the side or out the cafe yeah, window. and that's why I get so excited now because those girls are skating and they are so good and it's happening now. So that's yep. the innovation that's happening right now. Everyone is skateboarding. Oh, my God. You know, retired moms, old farts. Like, it is, I, it makes me so happy. It's such a positive thing. And I hung out with a bunch of skater, like, pals with my friend from Montana. He was visiting. I went, we went to a schoolyard. Everyone's in their 40s or at least 30s. And we... <laughs> Uh, there was 22 of us skating and it was the nicest group of guys. I just met them and they all like hugged me. It was like a supportive group. I'm like, can I just travel around in this group of two dozen <laughs> for the rest of my time here? This is, you don't see that with comedy. There wasn't. That no, it's competent. the opposite in comedy. It's the least chill, fucking most irritating, neurotic, generally men there are. It's yeah. literally the opposite vibe. Right. And so maybe that's why I love seeing it with skateboarding, because it that it's also generally men, but it's a different vibe and it's a different type of person. And I don't know why that is. I can't. I would. Need I do. To... I think we've talked about this theory. The, my theory is, and I base it on my friend's little brothers who are both really good skateboarders. I think one of them actually may have gotten sponsored at some point. And that was like in the mid nineties or maybe early 2000s. But I was talking to him one time because I'm like, why are all skateboarders like this? Like, you're all super nice. Like, I never feel that weird. Like, oh, they're going to say something mean or there's going to be some weird boy energy that you're like, what the fuck is happening here? And he was like, I don't know. I think it's because like we have to make a family out of ourselves. And then later my friend was like, yeah, it's all boys that basically had to leave the house because the house right. was so fucked up. And you just go out into the street and like do that all day. Like I shouldn't say all, but there's a majority of either like kids with single moms who just have yep. to like make their own fun 
Or like the house is a nightmare and you're going out and just like going, fuck all that shit. I'm going to go do this. And you have that experience of not having support at home or, you know, somebody to pat you on the shoulder or whatever. And you know, it's important to you. So it's important to your friends and other people that are doing it. So like they do a good trick and you all fucking cheer because people need that and they start to recognize it. Like that's why you're trying so hard. You want to impress your friends and you want to be good and they're helping you get good. Right. That's why it's so weird as I've gotten older to go to a skate spot by myself and just work on my tricks. I I used to think it was crazy to not skate with a group of friends. Why would you try anything? Plus, if I get hurt, I just lay there in the Costco parking lot. (laughs) It's still actually not a good idea for me to skate alone. Uh, But you're right. And that's why I love that mid-90s movie that Jonah Hill made. It was so specific. And obviously, he hung out with skater kids when he was a little boy. And it was such a sweet story about that, that family thing. And exactly what you said, it was all single parent households and they all looked after each other. And it was older kid. Like it's a big deal when you're in seventh grade and you're hanging out with guys in high school who are nice to you and looking out for you. And, and like in this movie, my mom, you know, vetted them for like 10 minutes and realized, oh, you're in good hands. These guys yeah. are older. I She trusted me with them because my mom, even though I did want to leave the house, she did. She would like watch me skate in front of the house and and I'd, I would like make her get away from the window. I was embarrassed that she was like watching me, but she was totally supportive. So it was it was more than than just wanting to get out of the house. It was just like, uh, yeah, it's the family thing. It's, it's, I, it was so important to me. Yeah. And it's that same thing for everyone. It's also, I doesn't, it feels to me, my observation is also like, you're not the dudes that want to play football or any of those other kind of like institutionalized sports where there's already a pecking order, there's school politics, there's all that kind of stuff where it's like, no, you're intentionally stepping outside of that. It has nothing to do with ability. It has to do with like, I don't want some old fucking man screaming down my back. Like, I don't, that's not going to work for me. So there's a little bit of like the punk rock rebellion element of it that's also great. That's the vibe of like, yeah, fuck the man, but not a not aggro and not like bullies. They're not bullies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the sweeping. These are very sweeping statements. Right, right. It's my observation. And it's been weird. I'm on the fence about what I've seen lately, which is uh, I never made it. So now my son's going to skate dads that are at the skate park, not Ew. skating, telling their son, what to do. And that's how Nigel Houston, this skateboarder that is better than anyone. He's since got like a divorce from his father and moved in as a young teenager with his mom. But it, at the same time, it's why he got so good. It was out of like gymnastics or any of these kind of abuse based sports. And I'm generalizing there of course too. But if you want to be an Olympic gymnast, you have to go through pain and talk about people yelling at you and And oh, so many other things. I've always compared the two, though, gymnastics and skateboarding, just because of the style. It's the way you look while doing it, and it's young. Oh, the younger the younger you are, the better you get when you're young. The better you are when it matters. And uh, and you're kind of having to force 
forced bravery because like flipping around like that. I mean, it's fun, but then if you get hurt, it's hard to do it the next time. Yeah. And I'm sure that's where that, I, I, there's so many parents that are, can't handle themselves in that way though, where it's yeah. like, oh, you see this spark of potential and suddenly it's just like, you're going to throttle it out of your child. It's, yeah. It's, I that's remember sad. so many, it's a scene in so many movies, but that baseball dad where someone's dad would be smoking cigarettes and so emotionally invested in the game, just trying to vicariously fix his shitty childhood, screaming at other kids while they're my dad would just watch this guy scream at me and they get into it because uh, it's like don't yell at my son it was yeah. all of it gave me so much anxiety every yes. time i had a baseball game for years i w i would be anxious because i'm like oh the dads are gonna get in a fight who's gonna yell at me is the coach gonna make me pretend i'm injured again <laughs> like one time he's like just limp off chris just limp off uh can you do that for me and I'm like, I don't want to limp. I, I, like, I don't want to lie. Like things like that, uh, like making kids do your bidding. Oh, it's just. People can't handle it. They can't no. handle the power. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. on a bad. Maybe I was just on a bad team. <laughs> but Well, it sounds like you had a pretty bad limp. So that's going to yeah. definitely impact your game. Uh, yeah, I think I, I hadn't practiced a fake limp and I did this terrible thing. I did the opposite of a limp where I was springing myself in the air with what was supposed to be my injured oh. foot. And then you got signed to another team. You're yeah. like, oh my God, he got a deal. <laughs> he's skipping. He's not injured. He's <laughs> skipping. Sorry, I've never fake limped before. Do you remember in the Bad News Bears? Oh, God damn, that's such a good movie. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta revisit it. Yeah, it's been too long. Uh, it's just so funny, Walter Matthau. It's such a '70s thing that could never happen anymore in the in the most beautiful way because he's like drinking and smoking and then like giving the kids beer and stuff. But the kid on the other team who was the little boy, oh, I loved him so much. Do you remember the? You're, I think you're too young, but there's a TV show called um, Portrait of a what was that? Fucking Eddie's father, something like that. Portrait of Eddie's Father. Oh. It was it was like a 70s kids TV show about, and it was um, the Hulk, David... Banner? <laughs> Shit, the, yes. The, wait, wait. <laughs> Who was the act? Bill Bixby played the Bixby, Hulk. how do you remember? How'd you pull Bill Bixby out of your Because I was so embarrassed that I remembered his name as the Hulk's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Banner, I think it was. He was a scientist and he yeah. spilled some shit on his <laughs> pant legs. No, um, Bill Bixby was the dad. And then the kid who played the the pitcher on the other team, or yeah, so it was like the team they finally go to play and they are getting good enough to actually be good and not the worst. And yeah. then this kid, his dad is the coach and the dad is screaming at everybody and such a prick, remember? And in the very yeah. last thing when they're like tied up, he just starts pitching balls on purpose. So he's like pitching way high and just standing there. And the dad's like, come on, get it across the plate. And he's just staring at his dad and pitching balls. And his dad comes up and he basically pitches the fourth ball and walks so that they get the score so yeah. that they, this is how I'm remembering it. I wonder if this is actually how it yeah, happened. Yeah, I, I don't think I've, it's a famous movie though. It's a famous, but it's so old at this point. I think it's from 1976 or 75 or something, but it's just this beautiful moment because it's like a thing that had already started happening in kids' sports. It's kind of out of control today. I think maybe it's come down the other side. I don't know. I don't really spend too much time around kids' sports, but 
that acknowledgement that it's like that kid, you're the one with the power. You're the one with the ball. You can do anything yeah. you fucking want. No matter how much your dad screams, you can still pitch a ball. And the, this realization this kid had of like, I don't care about this game. In fact, now I want to lose the game because I hate you so much. So here you go. And he just pitches four balls. And I think the dad comes out to hit him. And then Walter Matthau, maybe he wow. does hit him. It's really intense, but it's like so beautiful where it's like, Kids basically, that's the whole idea of it. It's like kids being empowered to actually do what they want, not what parents want them to do or not right, what right. coaches, you know, not buying into that whole thing of like your value is winning. Your value is a game. Like it's not. So that sounds like it's, that was from Bad News Bears. You were just trying to pinpoint the actor from the courtship of Eddie's father. I'm sorry. Yes. I was pinpointing that the little boy who was the pitcher, who has this great face and there, hold on a second. I think he hold may on. have gone on to become a skateboarder. I'm not kidding. Hold what? on. Hold oh, on. Oh, wait. This is all, it's so funny. I could be making all of this up. <laughs> Did he go on to be in No Effects? Oh, is that what it is? Where is he? Hold One on. One of the kids in Bad News Bears is, I believe, Fat Mike from No Effects, the punk no, band. Really? Yeah. It's so funny. All the boys that were on the team are now, it's their current pictures. There he is, Brandon Cruz. There he is. There he is. There he, yep. Am I right? Yeah, he was a punk. He became a punk. Look at the face. How about an all-American 70s child actor face like that one? Oh my God. The little space between his front teeth. Hold on, so. I love that he was in Bad News Bears and became this punk rock star. Yes. It's so perfect. Yeah, but there, look, oh, maybe he just has that on because he has total skateboard clothes on, but maybe that's just because it's the fashion and not. Right. It's called being a poser. Oh, he was in the Dead Kennedys. You're kidding me. <laughs> so like five years later, he was in the Dead Kennedys. He was in the court. Okay. The courtship of Eddie's father. Not yeah, the, I did, what did say, I say that. I, I, It just came out of my mouth. It, it, it Bill Bixby'd right out of me. Yeah. <laughs> If in a panic. <laughs> what did I call it? This, we just knew it was the something of Eddie's father. The profile father. of Eddie's father yes. or something like that. But um, could, isn't courtship like uh, when you're dating? I guess I need to watch the movie. It was because his dad was a single dad. And then oh, they had okay. um, a lady who was like the nanny. and A friend dresser uh, type? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was not. She was, she was actually Asian American. Her name was Miyoshi Umeki. And she was, like, very proper and stuff. But then you were like, oh, is Eddie's father going to marry her? You want her to because he, the little kid, loves her. So oh, you're like, yeah. oh, this would be a, the perfect family. It's It was one of those kind of things. But he was in the band Dr. No. Yep. K-N-O-W. And then he became the lead singer of the Dead Kennedys, 2001 to 2003. So post, you know. Jello like, uh, Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we are we are singing that as our closing song, Moon Over Marin, a county I'm sure you're familiar with, <laughs> uh, by the Dead Kennedys. A song where I simply do an Ethel Merman impersonation while karate chopping my throat. I have to go, <laughs> that's what yes. I do, the whole song. Not that violently, and that probably didn't sound good to anyone. You sounded exactly like Jello Biafra to me. For it, Thank it, you. For, as much as I know, Holiday and Cambodia. That's really my 
Yes, that's another. They did have some good songs where, like, if a pop did. band did them, they would have been a popular mainstream song. A lot of these. The part where, so Greg Barrett used to have a band with my friend Laura Milligan. She was the lead singer. And they raining, used to not cover. Not Raining Monarchs? Uh, they had a bunch of names. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It was I don't know if it was the Raining Monarchs. If it was, that's Greg's band after, I think. Yeah, okay. I can't remember the name. Highball? Anyway. They used to cover Holiday in Cambodia. And she, she Laura was hilarious. She's, she's one of my best friends. But she used to do this thing in the pull pot part. She would pretend like she was letting different parts of the audience sing, but we'd be standing in the middle of like some shitty club on Pico and there would be like, you know, 25 people there. But she would, <laughs> she would play it like it was like a gigantic concert. So she would be like, pull! And then hold it out for everyone to go pot. But we'd all just be standing there. <laughs> <laughs> it was so hilarious. Anyway. That's great. That's what I'm going to do. In the chairlift bar up on a snowy mountain, I'm going to pretend I'm an arena rocker. Pull. You go, you sing pull, and then hold, put your hand to your ear and hold the mic out and let everyone else sing pot. They'll fucking love you for it. You're right. I oh, didn't Oh, wait, you're do not that doing that song. No, but there, I can do that with a number of songs. Once, okay, I'm, once people are singing along... I got to do the hand of the ear and hold the mic out, especially when my voice is gone. Yeah. I've, that's a trick that I've seen even because it's funny. I was so hard on myself that I, my voice isn't with some of these songs that I was able to sing in like eighth grade in my car. My voice isn't doing that anymore. You go and see any popular band. It's very rare that their voice has stayed the same that whole time. And you see them always holding the mic out, like during a high part. Yeah. It's like, oh, I love the audience. If they're singing uh, anyway. To, yeah, yeah. And and it it I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that cuz I have, as much as I've oddly enjoyed it, I have a standard cold right now. But you've been enjoying it, you say? I have. I just because there's no <laughs> looming is what is happening is this eating my brain away. My brain is working. <gasps> I simply have the sniffles and I'm coughing up phlegm. Yeah. Not to be graphic, but we're all doctors. And I and I <laughs> and I feel it's nostalgic. I haven't had a cold in four four years, and it's been a reason that sort of just uh, cancel all my appointments except yes. for this one, except for the things that matter. Good call, good call. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I've just kind of been, you know, drinking fluids and having vitamin C, but my voice, it's Enjoy. actually terrible timing, though, because I sound very gravelly. And uh, Wait, when's these, the performance? I'm afraid it's Saturday and the second show's been added Sunday, my actual birthday. Okay, so after we stop recording this, yes, don't talk anymore, no joke. Just don't. Rest That's your voice. My, my singing coach told me that. That's what Tom yeah. said? Yeah, uh, Carl, yeah. That's what Carl said. Yeah. And then do, I'm sure he said like lemon and honey, hot water, you know what sure. I mean? And do warm-ups and stuff like that. Like if you are going to do any singing, warm-up and do those like, uh, like vibrate your own voice box. Yes, yes. Like didgeridoo noises yep. is what I've been doing, yeah. Yeah. Also, you could have a cold. You could also have like allergies because of the crazy shit that's flying around in LA right now because of the rain. It sure felt like allergies the first couple of days, just sniffles. And I, but it's full on. I had a fever the other night. Like it's, it's, but yeah, all these things can be allergy. I'm maybe having severe allergies, but. Or if it's a cold, you know, get the mental game going. And it's like, well, then that means you're 
halfway through this cold. You probably only have two days left, if yeah. maybe three. Right. Then my only fear is we, right when I land tomorrow, we're rehearsing. And then there's a day of, day of rehearsal on Friday, but I'm just going to speak on the day before. I'm just going to talk the words, I, you know, so they can practice the songs. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. But Carl you'll get into me, it. Yeah. And if my voice stays throaty, we'll just switch to to doing covers of the guy whose name it would be great if I remembered right now. Daryl Hall, John Oates. <laughs> no, neither Hall nor Oates <laughs> has ever had a gravelly. <clears throat> you know, the guy that sings like this. Don't do right that. Up. David, oh, oh, Tom Waits. Waits, wait, wait, I have it. It's on the tip of my tongue. Tom Waits. (laughs) David, wait, wait. (laughs) We're just going to stop and say, okay, the rest are Tom Waits covers. (laughs) And now, there it is. Dead Kennedys as Tom Waits. Oh, God. Yeah, that might have to be uh, my fallback position. But I'm very excited. Just keep your hot drink nearby. Yes. Keep your hot honey and lemon-based drink nearby. I will be using my exactly right <gasps> thermos. Look at that. That's and a, I'm the exactly fill right it with Yeti. hot water, throat coat tea, and yep. I'm going to go, after we're done recording, and I mean this, I'm going to Guitar Center. I'm getting Entertainer's Secret Throat Spray. Nice. And it it has, back when I had my tonsils, I would just be doing stand-up anywhere, and if it was winter, I would lose my voice all the way and have giant tonsils, and I couldn't find a single uh, dentist that would, or or th- whatever they're called, uh, that would uh, take out my. Yes, a doctor. What's the specific tonsil doctor, though? That's oh, what I can't remember. An ENT. An yeah. ENT, an ear, mouth, and throat. <laughs> so, and sometimes they dabble in foot and nose. Sometimes but, why? <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes why. Did you not become a dentist? <laughs> I, I, uh, it was so hard to get them to take my tonsils out my whole life. I had strep throat every f- five times a year. Anyway, I discovered this. Someone told me about Entertainer's Secret. It's so funny. <laughs> it's a throat spray with like a film reel on it and some theater masks. Yes. And I would lose my voice and I'd spray it in there like I was about to do a kissing scene, like the old guy from Tootsie. Sure, but not and that. my voice had come back for exactly two minutes, and then it would go away, and I'd spray again. I made it through entire weekends of shows using this spray, so only available at Guitar Center. Nice. Proud sponsor of other podcasts that aren't this one. We could get them on board. We've got a nice-sized audience. If anyone from the Entertainer Secret Throat Spray people is listening, I'm ready to represent you. This is when Chris really loses it. He goes off by himself and says, yeah. I'm ready to represent you. Right, when right. It, and this podcast is what's making it possible. I, I really, that was a perfect opportunity right there for me to say we. Yeah. And Be like, like the old lady in the parking lot. Open it up. We both did. <laughs> Once I told you about her, we loved her. <laughs> See, he's doing it right now. Look at how quickly he can adapt. <laughs> um. Well, I'm very excited, though, because six months ago, this whole singing with the band thing was just this dream kind of, I don't know, I think I'm going to do it. And you took a risk yeah. and you had fun and you had fun doing it. You made friends doing it. Yeah. And now you're actually doing a thing. It's almost like one more. It's like skateboarding, like golf. These things you're adding to your life and you're actually continuing to 
open yourself up to new opportunities yeah. and new performances. And I, I want to be that way. I don't want to be closed off. You're uh, doing it. It's things. happening. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate you recognizing it because I have noticed and I am happy that I'm doing these things. It's but good. it is also that thing where I'm spreading myself thin over a bunch of different things. And it it's I, I think you could just a lot of these, I think they call themselves Renaissance people. They end up wandering off, you know, kind of lonely, dabbling in so many different things that they never they never really make it in any of them. Because they're not spending enough. Everyone we know, all they do, if they're focused, they just focus on that one thing and they become successful. Yeah, but you've, A, always done multiple things. You've always been a multipler. And you are successful. So, like, whatever. You can choose to interpret it differently. But, like, yeah. You've worked on this podcast and didn't give up on this podcast and booked this podcast and like was the sound man for this podcast and made it happen. And now this podcast enables you to do other things like, you know, you've put in the work on things and then gotten yourself paid on multiple things. Thank you've you, Karen. won golf tournaments and prizes. It because means a lot when you, if I, this kind of support, when it comes from you, you did, you gave me a call like this before I did Conan many years ago. And mm -hmm. it made me suddenly so not nervous, like I yeah. belong there and I had earned this. Yep. Uh, that I, right before I went out, <laughs> pulled those curtains open. I was like, oh no, I should be nervous right now. Why am I not nervous? And then I decided at last minute to be very, very nervous. Uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, that that uh, your support, I thank you. You're welcome. Well, also, everything we do and the way we experience it is a choice. So you can be as nervous as you want to be. Usually that means you're excited. Like yeah. we can interpret it as I'm nervous, which means I'm a failure, I'm a fraud. I've done that a million times. It's just not worth it. It's like, you're wrong about that. You have to admit you're wrong. You have to admit you put a lens on things negatively to because you think it's a coping mechanism. It'll help you be less disappointed if right. it doesn't go well. And instead of that, you also have the option to look at it, be, have that feeling, be excited, and then use that excitement as the fuel to excel and be great, which is the thing you, you know, you do and you have experience with. And the thing that so few people understand is that when you see a comedian kill it on Conan, it took, you know, usually about 78 hours before that of pure human torture to get out right. there and get that done. Not if you're a psychopath like many people we know, but <laughs> those of us who actually are pure comedy sensitivo, you know, who it comes through us, it's authentic and it's real. Right. It's very difficult to do it. And so the difficulty is actually the mark of quality because it's difficult because you care and you're actually talking about yourself and it's real. And what you do out there is a real experience for you. That's why people love it so much when they watch it. Well, it's, thank you. You don't have to be nervous when you're a fucking fraud or when right. you're like, <laughs> when you're a weird creep that's just trying to control large groups of people and the noises yeah, they I, make. I, that's the thing that, that's the one that confuses me when it is someone that is talented and they do not get nervous. And I'm like, what how do you believe in yourself this much? There has to be, they also must have been murderers at some point. Or had screaming dads or <laughs> yeah, like yeah. figured out, you know, I think 
we had similar upbringings where it's like our parents left us alone just enough to allow us to be independent. Right. And then they also were, kind of, or at least my parents were like those 70s parents where then we got a little extra being left alone that wasn't great because it right. was, it created anxiety and coping mechanisms that other people didn't really have to go into. Right. So it's like, whatever. It's fine because it's like, it's that idea that then how, you know, when people go like, how do you do that? How do you get on stage and tell jokes? Then it's just like, because of the life experience that I've had. Because it's- for four years, I had an imaginary friend named Chuck who <laughs> uh, followed me around and I would actually speak to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's all. It's, uh, and my parents didn't shame me. They're like, how's Chuck doing? I'm like, oh, he's good. He's good. I wonder yeah. when any real children will move to my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. But you're right. The uh, All these comics always joke about it, and I've joked about it, that you're working uh, one hour a night. But no, it, that one hour that night involves me pacing around and doubting myself for, myself for two days prior yep. and beating myself up. I really don't enjoy stand-up until... Like the middle of a set, if it's going well, or or usually yep. just the end. Once it's over, I'm like, that was really enjoyable, but not during. It's like you, it's past the third joke lip, I think, where yeah, yeah. you start, no one's good when they very first start, because either you go over or you go under. Unless you're doing sets every single night, usually the first joke can either be great or awful. Then you have a chance to either recover on the second joke or get overconfident on the second joke and then really bite it. And then there's the third joke where you're like, all right, this is my last chance. But if this, but if that joke goes like either poorly or even medium, that's when my, like my throat will just tighten. And then suddenly I'm kind of talking like this and I can't get to the end. Of the yeah. Song. Yeah. With shit like that goes on on stage and the audience immediately gets like a stomach ache. And like, yeah. they almost want to, especially if you're, when you're a female comic, they want to boo you off the stage because they can't handle right. how vulnerable you are right then. Yeah. And like, there's those moments where like, you have to run those scenarios through your head before you do a set because it could happen to you. Right. And it has this it, year. And it has. I'm like, I'm suddenly 15 years old and you're all mad at me. Yeah. Or the just all the liquid has gone out of my upper body. There's no, it's dry as a bone and there's <laughs> nothing coming. And I can't keep sipping this water because oh, it's actually God. interrupting me talking. <laughs> I still, when I watch, I have so many nervous sips. It's the only time I stay hydrated is when I want <laughs> to not be somewhere. You have to write that down for like when you're <laughs> okay, actually doing it on stage. Okay, I will. I don't have to do it now, but I won't remember. <laughs> you have to do it now. <laughs> you always have to keep, that's why you have to keep a post-it note, a neon post-it note nearby. I wrote it down or a version of it that I won't understand in an hour. I know. Put if two, I did, if I did a show at, at like Largo, would you do it? Of course. Would you perform? Entirely. Would you do song? Do you? So sure. I've tr- that's a yes. Yes. Okay, I'm going to figure it out. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I might just surprise you. I'd, l- I'd love it if you did stand up again. And if it, it doesn't matter to me if you do music or if you tell jokes, I, I think deep down, even if you aren't admitting it, you miss live performance and i I, really i miss it terribly yeah there we go 
It's true. No, no, I've admitted that to you a bunch of times. And I do have a couple plans. I was going, I'm really mad this didn't work out. I was going to um, be one of the opening comics. Jackie Cation did a show at the um, the improv bar, whatever oh, that yeah, yeah, thing is lab. called. The yeah. lab. Yeah, sorry. It's been that long. I haven't been at the lab. So Jackie asked me if I would go do her lab show, be one of the opening comics. And I was like, yes, I absolutely will. But then it was the 21st of December. And oh, basically, right. I had to go to Petaluma because my sister's yeah. like, oh, really? Are you going to miss the big dinner on the 22nd? Where I was like, wait, what? I didn't know. There was already plans in the work. So I had to cancel on her. And I was so bummed because I was like, I want to do this really bad. She's like, I'll, we'll do it a different time. Like, And that's Jackie Cation. God bless fucking Jackie Cation. I follow her on TikTok. And she has some of the funniest fucking jokes. Like, she's just such a good comic. And I was like, yeah. this will be such a great way. I'll be able to watch her and I'll be able to kind of be in. That's like such a great crowd. Yeah. People that know Jackie, that then they fucking like care about comedy and they, yeah. you know, they're the good comedy nerds, like the positive vibe comedy right, nerds. Right, right. I was really excited to do it. And also I just was like, I need to just start writing bits. By the end before when I was doing sets, before COVID, I just had these like nine like old tweets that I had kind of refurbished into, into short Story of jokes. my life. Yes, of course. And then I just was like, no, no, no. I've, I just kept doing the same set every time I would do a set. And it made me feel terrible and ashamed because I am from that weird era in the 90s where like you were supposed to do new material every time you did a set. I mean, like, I think most comics around town I love stand-up like that, though. I do, it, like, you had a joke that was about someone rattling the bathroom door. <laughs> and I think yeah. you told it differently. I think it was based on a tweet, probably, and you told it differently every time. But it was the talking your way through it and the way you were talking about it that made it work. I think that it's okay to do It is. It's tweets. just so easy. And you know this old trick. Where easier, when you're doing... Well, no, I'm, like when you're mid set where you haven't written anything new and yeah. you can basically, I can see a movie in my head of the dude that's been at the three shows where I've done this same set who is like, because there's just this brand of, of comedy fan these days that I am just like, they're, it's just a different era where they're like, they go to tons of shows and they're fanship is like they're into it like super yeah. nerds and they know when people are doing jokes from old specials and they complain right. about it and all yep. that energy that's very much like they want to be doing it so they're putting this energy yep. at other people and that's all i can think about when i'm on stage is like well if one of those people's here then they've just been, they're just one. yeah just, just one. one of them it just and takes it could one. be 50 other people that just want to be entertained by you. And that one person right. will make me do all half-baked. <laughs> it kind of happened the other day at the Lyric. I did a, a hour-long set, and I, I, there was a couple people where I was like, I know they've heard this, uh, most of this before. One of them is my own manager, and I'm still letting oh it get God. in my head. I just wish that, yeah. It's hard not to do that to yourself. Well, it's the easiest thing in the world to do to yourself is to yeah. let that voice step up and be like, bad news. Everyone's disappointed in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mid-sentence. <laughs> Mid-set. Oh. So dark. Uh, but, you know, I do have a couple of plans in the works to try to do it again. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Also, it was a... Uh, I told Flanagan... 
I think it was November, and Fred Armisen was doing like a Fred Armisen and Friends show. Yeah. And he was like, do you want to come and do Fred's show? Because, you know, we're friends or whatever. Well, that's and, why I'm, I really want that. I think you're my way in to back into Largo. So that's that's one of the reasons I want to Back in? You. What did you do? <laughs> I, I haven't been there for years. Yeah, it's not COVID. It's, you know, all that oh, okay. stuff. Yeah, but, no one's yeah. been there for years, really. Yeah. I mean, he opened up a lot sooner than most, yeah. like, larger venues. Yeah. But now he's got it down pat. And what did he, what, what happened with that discussion? You're just... It's just out Oh, they there. had to I they had to move the show for some reason. Oh. It was like a holiday issue. Man, I if I look back, there are so many things that happen on the 21st or 22nd of December I that know. I've had to say no, no to every year. <laughs> I know. That is the time everyone's like, "Hey, good news. We got a career opportunity, amazing show. It's the 21st and 22nd. I'm no. going to my family on the 19th and nothing can change that. I have right. to sit with my family and eat candy and watch <laughs> movies. And it's more important than my career just during those days. Sorry. Uh, but also you have to know that nothing has ever happened. That's career changing on the 21st or 22nd right. of December when literally Los Angeles empties out like a glass right. of water at night. It's just yeah. empty of all human beings. Right. <laughs> like, that's why I'm getting the call as everyone else has gone to. <laughs> Why does everyone want me around the holidays? Oh my no, it's God. Just they're Slim they're Pickens. asking everyone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. exactly. Stop booking shows d- during the those times. Yeah. Would not be fun. That's not the solution. People are like, please. Also, I do have the guilt, and we've talked about this. I just have the guilt of I know there's a million billion people that do stand up and want sets. So th- I was starting to feel like when I did my set, I'm like, well, if you're not even going to write and you're not going to try, why are you taking up someone else's spot? There's a youngster that's trying to be a an up and comer, and I'm just kind of like, it's like a person that won't leave their table at a busy restaurant. Like that's I selfish. Yes, you can. I mean. I guess I think that sometimes as well. Yeah, but it's all hard I know to. is every time I do a show, the nice people that listen to our podcast after come up to me and ask when you're going to perform again. It mm. is the first or second question out of everyone's mouth. And I'm not, and I just say I'm working on it, but I don't you know that it's And you it, truly are. I mean, I do appreciate your constancy about it. I just yeah. I also think it's just my uh uh, I think it's post-COVID and I think I have to break out of that feeling, you know, that feeling of like the last show I did was bad or whatever, where it's like, who gives a shit? At this point, who really gives a shit about anything? Right. At all. And to be honest, I haven't fully broken out of it or it's still in my head that I I haven't, I'm still rusty. That's what, yeah. <laughs> like the damage of of taking that much time off is, is... Uh, you know, like the heartache after a six-month relationship lasting three years. It's the same with comedy. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't break up? You should have, then you just took two and a half years to break yeah. up? Yeah. I broke up with a stand-up around the time COVID hit, and uh, and even though we're now seeing each other as friends, I'm still in love with the old relationship we once we once had. With sure. It was far more romantic. <laughs> Yeah, there and looking back where it's like, and I was hotter. I used to do <laughs> yeah. this better. There's like all there's so many things that weren't uh 
standing in the way. It was exciting and new. The, the last time I was going to stand up, I didn't have progressive lenses, a laundry <laughs> cart, and I used to remember to zip up the front of my trousers. And I never called them trousers. No, no. I have aged so much. You are 86. You should ask that lady at Lassen's parking lot out on a date because oh, you're the same yeah. age as her. We, I'm sure I'll learn how to play bridge. I don't know what it is, but let's do it. I took my laundry cart down to the grocery store and put groceries in it. <laughs> a car, I had my own, la- my own grocery cart. I brought it. Smart. Then you yeah. don't have to like hack it back pretending you're cool. It's just not, just sidestep <laughs> that whole need. Yeah, I'm embracing it. I think a, a rolling grocery cart is a great idea because yep. I'm the person that has like four bags on each arm and I'm just trying to get to like the kitchen counter. It's the it's such a pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't know why I'm like, oh, it's good exercise to do one arms shoulder shrugs <laughs> on my seven block walk home. What am I doing? <laughs> no, that is actually really good. That's a good isolated isometric muscular I really do. As I walk home, I'm rolling my shoulders like this. You can't see it, but right now I'm showing Karen how I roll my shoulders. So yeah, I have I my groceries it. and I'm holding Super them. Super weird. If this yeah, guy was is. walking it's... towards you on the sidewalk, you would <laughs> yeah. you would truly jaywalk to get away. Yeah. Which, <laughs> did you know, is no longer against the law. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Los Angeles municipal um, voters. L-A-M-V. We get to walk all the fuck over the street now. I mean, it as long as it seems safe. They're just like, who cares anymore? We don't want your money. I don't know what changed. Uh, I think they were like, no cop is spending their time doing stuff like this, so we might as well just take it off the books officially. Although, I will say... When I lived in Burbank, my friend Vicky would come over and we would do like an hour walk before work every morning. And one morning we were walking, we had walked all through Toluca Lake and we were going walking over to the Starbucks like as a final pass. And we were at that, is it Riverside or Alameda? You know how the two come into a Y right by Bob's Big Boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a street here, street here, and then it becomes sure. the one, it becomes Riverside. So we were over at the crosswalk and it's a light and a whole thing. Uh, it's a pretty busy road, but it was seven in the morning. Yeah. So we were just like, we're just like checking, checking. We're going to run across. Suddenly there's a motorcycle cop and he's rolling toward us, pointing his finger in the air and going back. And then we went and stood on the, we had to go back across the crosswalk and stand in the street. And then he gave us a lecture about how many people get killed Um this is very dangerous. Don't ever do this again. And it, he was, it was so infuriating. I was like, I was so furious. I'm like, got it. Thank you. Got it. (laughs) Immediately so rebellious. But it was like, we get it. We did a thing that was wrong. Now you're making us wait for a light and there's literally not a car for miles in any direction. Got it. Also power problem. I'm not a child and also no puppy guarding. That's what he was doing. What's that? Yeah, I thought maybe that was just regional to where I grew up. That's where <laughs> if, where you're just standing there waiting to catch someone, usually in a sport or something. Oh, yeah. okay. It's like, yeah. you can't just stand there and wait for me. Like if you're, let's say it's a game of tag where you have to touch a pole or something. I have to invent a game to explain this. But you can't just <laughs> hang out by the pole waiting for that. Right. That's puppy guard. You're cheating. 
And I don't yep. know where okay. the puppy comes in, what the... Uh, I've never heard that saying yeah. before. No I, I, no, I have a feeling it's just, what if it's something only I said and I saw it in a dream? <laughs> you know how we this all used to say You and Chuck. <laughs> yeah. This was me, you and Chuck and everybody else used to say it all the time. Not only did I have an imaginary friend, Chuck, I had six imaginary puppies. And it was Chuck's <laughs> that I had job to, guard at all times. to tag them. So I would guard the puppies. I just realized where it came from. We, uh, we've we gone over. That was the easiest, most fun. We're very good at podcasting. Chris. Yeah, we, it's really just a second nature for us. I, uh, you know why? Because we're only talking about ourselves. Yeah. That entire episode, <laughs> we both talked only about ourselves. You know what? No, what? We, we gave a shout out to that the, the older lady that is my hero. We talked about her. And yep. and then, yes, and then we each talked about ourselves, yes. Wait, uh, wait we also talked about... Um, Brandon Cruz. Brandon we Cruz. Also, uh, we talked about uh, singer and vocal coach, Carl Bine, plant-based, hot, crazy band. Plant-based. <laughs> I will be at Hot Crazy on February 9th when I get back. Hell from yeah. From my birthday concert series doing Tom Waits covers. Hell yes. Well, good luck at your show. Thank you so much. And thank you for the supportive words and making me, f I actually, you have a special way of doing that. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to own it and have fun and pretend I'm in a arena rocker and it's going to be great and funny. Fuck yes. It's a, and it's a comedy show. I mean, really. Watch some old punk live concerts and do shit that those lead singers do, like go stand right at the speaker. Yeah, You know what I mean? Don't they do a bunch of shit like that or just like, you know, let the front row sing. Put the mic down into the crowd. A lot like, of that play it is, is like putting your leg up on a monitor does actually yes. help you isolate all the air. Like Carl was telling me, like, keep your legs slightly bent. They, they aren't spreading their legs and bending them just to look intimidating on stage. A lot of it is vocal tricks. It's so you don't clench up. Don't keep it loose. Yeah. Keep it loose. I, that's the biggest thing I learned from Carl. Don't clench up. I flex every muscle in my body. What was I thinking? No, you have to be like one of those weird um, floppy air yes. tube guys yeah. in front of a car lot. I'm going to be a, a used car lot balloon man, long and tall yeah. and slender and folding throughout my torso. And smiling and for smiling. no reason. Yeah, don't forget to smile now. Jim Lindbergh, <laughs> who is the lead singer of Pennywise, and we became pals uh, when I worked at Fuel and have kind of stayed in touch. I posted a video of me singing, and that was the first thing he said. Hey, good tone, good pitch, good singing. But what the hell are you doing with your arms? <laughs> Take my seminar this weekend, Punk Rock Arms. And he wrote all these fake like sign-up times and everything. It was all in a comment section. He took it super seriously, and I think people thought he was being serious. But I did, in the video, I am literally just have my arms down next to my sides like a kid waiting to get picked at uh, recess. <laughs> Like, I, it, it's really funny. So you're right. So wait, we, can you just give us a couple examples of punk rock? Arms? I mean, you have to say the lyrics and make a fist and 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 pump your fist to the to the consonants and the and the rhythm of the 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 what you're singing. Song. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> it's obviously hard to do while you're talking. That's why I what just happened then was the stuttering. I would not be stuttering if I wasn't trying to pump my fist or just That's or just right. having your arms raised or holding the mic stand and having my elbows lifted up. Just anything other than yes. please pick me Flat for arms. third recess kickball arms. <laughs> yeah, you can't show them any nervousness cuz they're you're supposed to be like this is fun. Yeah. 
guys, it's fun. And that is also about, that is a Zen trick too, where it's like, you don't think about what they're thinking about you. You think about giving them what they want, giving them a good time, giving them like, here's, you're going to love this. We're going to play these songs you love. We're giving it to you. You're not taking anything from them. And I'm going to do what everyone does and feign full confidence. And that includes my arms this time. Uh, you could yep. really see my personality in my arms uh, the last performance. And this time, <laughs> confident arms, that the kind that can sell a car. Don't be afraid to put um, one fist on your hip. I feel like I've seen that. Oh, yeah. As you sing, like turn, maybe do like a, almost like you're kind of doing a Greek freeze or a, is that what it is? You know, where you're kind of like, it would be like a walk like an Egyptian, but instead of trying to do Egyptian arms, right. put one fist on a hip. Go into profile. It's kind of a, yeah, it's like a Pee Wee Herman slightly yeah, yeah. thing, right? Yeah. It's presentational. You're saying, here, I have a style. I've, I'm making a choice. It's so funny, but I have, when we're done here, I am going to, uh, well, first I'm going to get my throat spray, and then I'm going to look at body positions right. and old punk rock videos on YouTube. And I'm, You know what you could do at the Guitar Center? You could ask any cashier, because they are also a lead singer yeah. of a band, and you can be like, hey, what are your, hey, what are some pretty solid arm gestures you like to use as a lead singer? <laughs> you will get answers. I know. At I don't know if you're Guitar kidding Center. or not, but I think I actually will. I, I don't either, because I think it's a good idea. It just reminds me of that time Brendan Walsh and I got on stage at a Scorpions show and he <laughs> did the proper headbanging as security pulled him off stage. And I did the confusingly did the robot. I've told that story before, <laughs> but it's an example now of what I just don't know what to do with my body. You panicked. I panicked panic. and I started doing yep. the robot. I went electric boogaloo and I just should have gone. I don't I think people would like it if you did the robot in this scenario. You'd have to wait till the end. Like gain the good faith. Yes. And then save the robot for when things are going. Right. Great. I think you're right. Then I can actually express myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of studying to do. Thank you, right. Karen, for the for the words of encouragement. Of course. I'm proud of you. I think it's Thanks. great. I think going into music is always a great option for comedians. <laughs> yeah. We should we should always do it. It's really smart. I think the refreshing thing is going to be, uh, if we do get paid, and I'm not sure if we will, splitting that <laughs> with uh, three other people. That'll be a nice refreshing. <laughs> I don't know how bands do it. I remember talking to my friend who was in a band and I was like, what hotel do you guys stay at when you are in? Because we had just been on tour. And that guy's like, are you fucking kidding me? We are in a van. And I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we're splurging with an Airbnb cabin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is, I'm, I'm, this is, uh, I'm spending money on this, but it's important to me. It's for charity. Wait, so sorry, you're doing that this weekend? Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Oh, my God. Have the best time. You're going to have the best time. People are listening to this later, but I had a good time in case you're wondering. Perfect. I'm so glad to hear it. Thank you. It was great. Thanks for all the advice. It all worked. <laughs> Perfect. I love hearing it. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R! This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our talent booker is Patrick Kotner. Theme song by Karen Kilgariff. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dinar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. 
Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Hong Kong. <laughs> Follow Do You Need a Ride on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit the exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Do You Need a Ride merch.